So some of us are fasting today as part of this United on Mission campaign that we've been doing uh, the third Sunday of the month. We've been fasting and asking God to do what we can't do, to change hearts, the hearts of loved ones who maybe don't know Jesus, the hearts of neighbors or coworkers or people we pass by, but also the hearts of us, that we would share his heart for the world, the broken world around us, that we would have his heart. And that's something we can't just turn on. So we've been fasting and saying, God, as helpless as I am without food, I'm more helpless spiritually. I need you to do what I can't do. Change my heart. Change the hearts of others. And earlier today, some people were submitting the names of family members and friends who don't know Jesus, who have walked away from Jesus. And maybe some of you guys are in this room. Right? And, and I was thinking, leading up to the message, thinking, okay, what, what do we need to offer those people that we care for and that we want to know Jesus? What, 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 do, what should we offer them? What's the most important thing for us to offer? What do, what do they need to see in us, in other words? And I was like, what should I preach on tonight? Is it compassion? Do we need to, you know, share Christ's heart of compassion? Absolutely. Is it boldness? Hey, sometimes God leads us to say something that's uncomfortable, and, and absolutely we need boldness. Is it wisdom to know when to open our mouths and when to keep our mouths shut? Sometimes we just got to keep our mouths shut, right? We need that wisdom. But there's something that, that I think we need more than those things. Or maybe another way to put it is there's something we need that leads to those things. And I see it in the next section of the book of Exodus, the study that we've been doing in the book of Exodus, in Exodus chapter 3, that's, that's, that's right there. So I thought, well, let's, let's keep going through Exodus. <laughs> and so if you open up your Bibles to Exodus 33, the title of today, the title of the message is called Hungering for More. If you're a follower of Jesus, what we need to offer the world is a hunger for more of God. That's what the world, that's what those who don't know Jesus need to see in us, is a hunger for more of God. When you hunger for something, when you desire something, what does it say? It says that you value that thing, right? It says that you treasure that thing. My middle daughter, Sienna, who's actually in here tonight, I didn't get her permission to share this, but she is a great indicator. She'll deal with it. <laughs> she's a great indicator of, uh, like, she's so honest at dinner time about what she values and doesn't value. And, and I, I do a lot of the, the, the cooking, and so um, if she doesn't like what I made, it will take about 90 minutes for her to finish her food. I mean, no joke. Sometimes I'm like, sometimes we're turning off the lights, going to bed, and we're like, hey, four more bites, and you can come up there. No, I'm exaggerating. It's not that bad. But it's a long time. If she likes it, it is literally seconds. She will scarf down two hamburgers in a minute. We'd be like, Sienna, did the dog take your food? She's like, can I have another one? Can I have another one? Like, waffles, we're making waffles. She just downs them, like downs them. Eats twice as much as her sisters, asks for more, and then we have to slow her down. Let your stomach settle for 15 minutes and then see if you're still hungry. Slow down. So she, her hunger for more shows that she treasures that thing. She treasures those waffles or those meatballs or whatever it is that she likes. She treasures it. It's valuable to her. And so when the world looks at us, right, if God is who we say he is, if God is the one that we're boasting in, 
like we just sung about, they should see us hungry for more of him. They should see us wanting to know him more, wanting to, because God is infinite. Like there's so much to know more about it. Like my wife, she's a finite human being. She's imperfect. She's fallen. And there's still more of her that I want to know. There's still more of my kids that I want. I don't know all the depths of my kids' hearts. There's so, I mean, God is infinitely more, uh, just he's vast, he's big, he's holy, he's just amazing, and there's so much more of him to know. And the world should see us wanting to know more, hungering for more of him. The perfect God of the universe has made a way through the blood of Jesus for us to be present with him. And do we want to be present with him? Do we want to know more about him? If we're going to talk about him with families, and in fact, if you're in here and you're not a follower of Jesus, you come up to me at the end of service and tell me if I'm wrong. Okay? But what you want to see in those who claim to be followers of Jesus, that they actually want to know Jesus. Right? They don't just talk the talk and say things and go to church. You want to see in them, if this thing is for real, if Jesus is for real, you want to see in them this desire to know him. And you come up to me and tell me if, if, if I'm wrong afterwards. You want to see, is this for real? Is this, is, is, is this person hungering for more of God? I want my kids not just to believe the right things about God. I mean, that's important. But I want them to grow to hunger for more of him, uh, to be intimate with him. And through that intimacy with him, it's through that intimacy with him for all of us that it leads to us sharing his heart for the world. You can't have his heart for the world without being intimate with him, right? You can't have the, this boldness and wisdom, see things through his perspective without being intimate with him. And so that's what today is about. The Apostle Paul said it like this in 2 Corinthians uh, 3.18. He said, but we all with unveiled face, beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from glory to glory, just as by the Spirit of the Lord. In other words, as we behold the glory of God, we are changed into the likeness of Jesus Christ more and more, incrementally, inch by inch, so to speak. Moment by moment, as we behold that, as we uh, gaze upon who God is, as we want to know him and we actually take steps to know him, we are being changed. If you, if you want to become more like Jesus, you worship Jesus. You get to know Jesus. And so that's why many of us are fasting today. We don't fast from food in order to prove ourselves disciplined. Most of us are pretty weak at that. We fast from food in order to hunger for more of God. We were saying, God, as much as I want food, I want to know you more. Or at least I want to want to know you more. Sometimes I wake up and I don't. I want our church to grow in size. Can I be honest about that? I want our want to grow in size, the numbers, to reach more people, absolutely. But more than that, I would rather see our church grow in their hunger for God, even if that means that so-called Christians get pruned out because they're obsessing about everything else. Well, that's not a good uh, indicator to the rest of the world of how great a treasure Jesus is. So if you're just going to talk about Jesus and hunger for other things, obsess about other things, probably better God prunes you out so that God can grow our church in our hunger for him. So that when the world says, hey, you talk about Jesus, and I see you hungering for Jesus, you really believe what you say. 
So with that as an introduction, let's jump into this passage in the book of Exodus 33, starting in verse 1. Here's the context. The Israelites, they had just been um, worshiping this golden calf. Moses was up on the mountain. They, they were missing. They wanted something to control. So they said, hey, Aaron, this is Moses' brother. Can you make for us some kind of God to worship? He, made a, uh, he fashioned with their ornaments, their earrings and stuff, uh, a golden calf that they started dancing around and prostituting themselves around. Moses came down from the mountain, confronted them. Most people repented. Some of them did not repent, did not change, and were killed. They were wiped out. Um, and then here we are. This is kind of like the, the next scene, so to speak. This is like right after that. The people are feeling it. God is feeling it. It's a somber. There's a heaviness in the air. It's, it's, it's like the day. I kind of had this thought. It's like the day after a teenager um, takes his parents' car and crashes it, totals it, right? There's a big total, and he's okay. They find it. He goes to the hospital. He's okay. Car's totaled. The police were involved, and so they say to their son, son, we're going to talk about this tomorrow morning. Get some sleep, but then we're going to talk about this in the morning. Right here is that talk. The crisis is sort of over, but now what? Now what? So this is sort of that talk. Verse 1 of Exodus chapter 33. Then the Lord said to Moses, leave the place, leave this place, you and the people you brought up out of Egypt, and go up to the land I promised on oath to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, saying, I will give it to your descendants. Okay, so he's, he's saying, you're, you're going to still go to the promised land. You're still going to get it. You're going to get it. You're going to get the land of milk and honey and prosperity. But look what he says next. I will send an angel before you and drive out the Canaanites, Amorites, Hittites, uh, Perizzites, Hivites, and Jebusites. Go up to the land flowing with milk and honey. It's yours. I'm going to go before you. You're going to have victory. But I will not go with you. Because you're a stick neck, stick, stiff-necked people. And I might destroy you on the way. Whoa. So you, you, you can have the land of milk and honey. You can have the victory. You can have the promised land. But I ain't going with you. I ain't going with you. You ain't going to get my presence. You ain't going to get me. Close, closeness. Now, this would be a test of sorts for them. Are, is Moses and the Israelites, are they going to respond by saying, that's okay, as long as you give us the land of milk and honey and the victory, you don't have to go. If you don't want to go, you don't have to go. You know, you make up your own. You're, you're, you're God. You can decide what to do, but we're going to go take that promised land. Is that how they're going to respond? Let me just ask this. If God said to you, just imagine for a moment, everything that you want, everything that you pray for, if God said to you, hey, I'm going to answer every prayer. That family of yours that's all broken, I'm going to put them back together. You're all going to be together at Christmas time. The dream job that you've been praying for, I'm going to give that dream job to you. All the people who disagree with you about COVID, they're going to suddenly realize how ignorant they are and get on your you know, side of things. Read your social media, and all of a sudden, they're all going to be like, wow, you're so right. I'm going to give it all to you. But you ain't going to get my close presence. Would you respond by saying, well, that's okay. I don't really feel that close to you anyway. I don't feel the need to. Give me that stuff. That sounds good. Really? In your heart of heart. Or would you say, no, I don't want any of that stuff if I don't have a closeness with you. Your presence is what I want more than those things. What would you say? What would you say, and would you mean it? 
would you mean? I'm not looking for the right answer. Ask yourself, what would you say? What do you really want? God said that to you. You ever been in an argument with somebody about, like, what movie to watch or where to go on, you know, a Saturday, and you're arguing, and, and they finally say, fine, well, do what you want to do, but they kind of shut down, and you're kind of like, well, that's no fun now that you're all shut down. You're not really engaged. You're not present. You ever have that with spouse or boyfriend, girlfriend, or friend? If you're close to them, you're like, man, this, is, this stinks that you're not here with me for this. If you're not that close, you might be like, all right, you don't want to see the movie? I'm going Call me, call me next week, right? So how close are they to God? How much do they want to be with God? Let's see how Moses responds. So the people, first in verse 4, it says, When the people heard these distressing words, they began to mourn, and no one put on any ornaments. So that's, good, that's a good sign. They're mourning. They're like, no. Next verse. For the Lord had said to Moses, tell the Israelites, you're a stiff-necked people. And if I were to go with you, even for a moment, I might destroy you. Now take off your ornaments, and I will decide what to do with you. So the Israelites stripped off their ornaments at Mount Horeb. So that was a, taking off the ornaments of a symbol of this, their mourning. Their, this is bothering them. This is grieving them. It's a good sign. Uh, Martin Lord Jones, who was a Bible teacher from the 20th century, expressed their feeling like this. He said this, what is the value of Canaan? What is the value of milk and honey? What is the value of having possessions if God was not with them? They saw that the realization of the presence of God, having this fellowship and company, was infinitely more important than everything else. So they finally got it. They had a moment of clarity here where they realized, oh, we don't want those things without God. Now, this next section that I'm going to read is, a, is kind of a longer section and it's a picture of what things were like with God up to this point, the closeness that they had. So we're going to read it, big chunk here, just follow along. Verse 7. Now Moses used to take a tent and pitch it outside the camp, some distance away, calling it the tent of meeting. They didn't have the tabernacle yet. They hadn't constructed it yet. So this is where God would meet with them. Anyone inquiring of the Lord would go to the tent of meeting outside the camp. And wherever, whenever Moses went out to the tent, all the people rose and stood at the entrance to their tents, watching Moses until he entered the tent. As Moses went into the tent, check this out, the pillar of cloud would come down and stay at the entrance while the Lord spoke with Moses. Whenever the people saw the pillar of cloud standing at the entrance to the tent, they all stood and worshipped, each at the entrance to their tent. So Moses would go in. They all had access, in a sense, to God's presence, but Moses especially had access, really had access to God's presence go to this tent, and God, God's this pillar of cloud would come, and, and it was an indicator that God's there, God's with them, God's with Moses, God's with them in that moment, and so the people would stand outside their tent, and they would watch this, and they would watch in awe and reverence, wow, look at that, wow, and then it says Joshua, the Lord would speak to Moses face to face, look, notice what it says about Joshua in a moment, the Lord would speak to Moses face to face as one speaks to a friend, then Moses would return to the camp, but his young aide Joshua, son of Nun, did not leave the tent. He would linger. He just wanted to stay in God's presence. Joshua, Moses' assistant, he's like, wow, reverence, awe, and worship. He wanted to stay. So what this is all about, this is all about what things had been like up to this moment. And God is saying, that's going to end. You, you're going to go to the promised land, but I ain't going with you. So you ain't going to get this anymore. 
You ain't gonna get this presence. You ain't gonna get this access anymore. You ain't gonna get this tangible manifestation of my, 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 my presence anymore, but you can have the promised land. You want the milk and the honey? You want that stuff? Go ahead. Go, go get the prosperity that you want. Go get it. Verse 12. Moses said to the Lord, you have been telling me, lead these people, but you have not let, let, you have not let me know whom you will send with me. You have said, I know you by name, and you have found favor with me. If you are pleased with me, teach me your way so that I may know you and continue to find favor with you. Remember that this nation is your people. So Moses' response is saying, he's basically like, I'm confused, I'm bewildered, I can't lead these people. And they ain't my people anyway. They're your people. They're your people. I need your help. I'm desperate for you. I can't do this without you. I can't take them up to the promised land without you. I don't know how to do this. It's like moments when I pray, like, God, I can't pastor these folks without you doing something miraculous. I'm helpless here. Moses is having that moment. He's like, God, we can't do this. I don't want to go up there without you. In verse 14, the Lord replied, my presence will go with you and I'll give you well, that was fast, right? Maybe it was just a test. Moses was just like, I, no, we can't do this without you. And God's like, okay, all right. I'm glad you acknowledge that. I'm going to go with you. My presence will go with you, and I will give you rest. That phrase, my presence will go with you, is literally translated, my face will go with you. I'm going to be with you. It's going to be intimate. I'm going to continue this. What we have, I'm going to continue on and I'll give you rest. How many people want rest in their souls, in their spirits, in their minds, in their emotions? Who wants rest? Who want to feel it more? <laughs> yeah? Apparently, the promised land without God's presence isn't rest. Apparently. It's blessing, but it ain't rest. The promised land with God's presence is a blessing and rest. God's presence, in other words, is where rest is found. There is no rest without God's presence, no matter how prosperous we are. No matter how many blessings we get from God, the materials we get, no matter how many circumstances go our way, there is no true rest without God's presence. Here's a question. Do you believe that true rest is found in his presence? Do you really believe it? It was a, kind of a question for you to reflect on. <laughs> think about it but really like do I really believe it I have to ask myself that do I really believe that because some of us want a certain kind of promised land of sorts with or without Jesus because we think that's the answer to our soul's rest some of us believe if we're, maybe we're, if we're single that you know we want the promised land of marriage oh that's gonna, gonna I'll, like I'm whole finally if I can just get married <laughs> you're laughing some of us believe that the promised land is found in just, you know, uh, the dream job, just making X amount of money. That's, oh, then I can relax. Then I can chill. Then I, ah, oh, my, my soul will be at rest. There's all kinds of promised land that we're praying for. Some of us are just waiting for things to go back to normal, and then I'll feel better. Probably won't. We have all these promised lands that we're waiting on in times of anxiety, even day-to-day -day things. We, we want to check out. We look to, you know, video games, social media, YouTube videos, just to check out. And this, in a sense, we're saying, 
this is my promised land. This will give me rest. And it right, doesn't, it's a fleeting moment, it's a band-aid. God's presence is where true rest is found. Here's something I wrote in my, my, my journal a, a little while back when I was reading this. It was a prayer maybe a year ago when I was reading through this book. Lord, be present with our church. I think it's on the screen, is it? Yeah, this is a little journal entry. Lord, be present with our church, our family, and in that presence, give us rest and peace. This was a prayer for you guys, for my family. May we be a people who find rest and peace in your presence, not in being successful at school, not in ministry success from an outward perspective, not having everything go back to normal, but in your presence. Your presence. May that be where our church, our family, looks to as our source of rest. Now, what does it look like to pursue that? I'm going to come back to that. Come back to that. Let's keep reading. Verse 15. Then Moses said to him, If your presence does not go with us, do not send us up from here. Now, remember, God already said, I'm going to go with you. And it's like either Moses didn't hear him right, or he's just so desperate that he's like, I got to make sure I heard you right. I cannot do this without you. Is that clear? I cannot go. I do not want to go. I do not want the prosperity. I do not want the success without you with us. Prosperity is fine, right? Praise God when you've got prosperity and wealth and things are going your way. Praise God for those things. But Moses is like, I don't want that if it doesn't mean a closeness to you. Don't want that. It's like an engaged couple where they're not like married yet. And so like the guy, imagine he gets his dream job in another city and he says to his fiance, I don't want to do it. I don't want to take that job if you don't want to go. If I, all my life I've dreamed about this job, but I won't take it if you don't want to go. You mean more to me than that dream job. It's kind of like Moses is saying to God, I want that. We don't want the land of milk and honey without you. Moses continues. He's not done. Verse 16, how will anyone know that you are pleased with me and with your people unless you go with us? What else will distinguish me and your people from all the other people on the face of the earth? So he's still appealing to God, and he's saying, God, if we go without you, we're not going to be different than the rest of the earth. Yeah, we'll have success. Sure. Yeah, we'll be prosperous in some way. Sure. But that's not going to mark us as your people. Success and prosperity, I'm going to mark us as your people. It's your presence that will mark us. Moses is appealing to God on the basis of God's covenant with Israel, his promise that through, if you remember, if you were here back in February, the week one, we talked about God's promise to Abraham. He was going to create in Abraham a nation, and through that nation, all the nations of the world will be blessed because he was going to do something special with this nation. And so Moses is saying, if you're not with us, we're not going to be special. And therefore, we're not going to attract the other nations to want to know you. We're not going to be special just because we have success and prosperity. We need your presence with us. That's what will mark us as being yours. It's only God's presence. Now, we still, some of you might be thinking, well, we don't get God's presence in the same way. We don't get this pillar of cloud that comes down and... and you know, we don't get that. And yeah, we don't in the same way. I mean, it could happen. It certainly could. Um, but what we get, here's what we get. It's not because God doesn't do the miraculous anymore. Actually, it's more miraculous now. 
we get that pillar of cloud inside of us now. When we trust in Jesus, his spirit comes to dwell in us. He seals us, it says. We're sealed by the Holy Spirit. The spirit of God inside of us. Romans 8 says that spirit testifies with our spirit that we belong to God, that we're children of God, that he's our dad. So it's more tangible than a pillar of cloud. He reminds us that we belong to God. That's what we get. The spirit of God inside of us, and so we get his presence. It's better. Jesus said, it's better that I go. It's better that I ascend to the Father because then I'm going to send the helper, the parakletos, the advocate, the one who's going to come alongside you, the one who's going to be in you, giving you power, reminding you of what I've taught you. That's what you and I get. We get the presence of God inside of us, Christ in us, the hope of glory, it says. That's what we get. That's what we get. We have him inside of us, but the Apostle Paul told us in Ephesians 5, be continually getting filled by the Spirit. We have him, but be continually getting filled by the Spirit. Be continually being filled up by him. Because we can ignore him inside of us, right? But we can obsess about other things. Just like I can live in the same house with my family and not be present with them, Right? We do that to the Holy Spirit. So here's a quest second question. Do we want to be distinct? Do we want to be distinct? Because some of us want to be, I want to, I, want to, I want to believe in Jesus, but I want to fit in with the rest of the world. Maybe some of us. I want to believe there's some things, but I want to fit in with the rest of the world. I don't want to be too different. I, I want to find my identity more so in my citizenship as an American or my family of origin or, or the cool kids at school or the jocks at school or the goth crowd at school or whatever it is that we want to fit in with. That's my identity. That's the tribe I'm a part of, a political party perhaps. That's who I'm a part of. That's the, the team I'm on, so to speak. Do we want to be marked as God's people? Do we want to be, stand out in the world as belonging to Jesus? That's the first question. And if so, if so, if so, do we really believe it's God's presence that marks? Because some people will tell you it's just Bible knowledge. You just get Bible knowledge in your head, and then you could spout out Bible verses, and then people will be impressed. That doesn't draw people to want to know God. Others will tell you it's political power. You get the political power. You get Christians in office and Christian policies, and all of a sudden, we've got ourselves a land flowing with milk and honey. But no, it's, it's the presence of God that marks us as his people. Bible knowledge is good. Right? Policies that line up and with, with God's values, they're good. But without the presence of God marking us as his people, it doesn't make others go, oh, yeah, I want to know that God. I want to know that God. And too often we have Bible knowledge, and then we're, we're like constantly in a sourpuss mood. You ever know a Christian like that? They got a lot of Bible knowledge, and they're always a sourpuss. Like, really? Really? You just aren't making Jesus look like he's filling your soul. This is why it's, such a sh it's so horrific, the pastor and priest scandals that have been out there. Not just because there's abuse of authority, but because the, the very people who are talking about how good God is are showing that God isn't satisfying my soul, so i got to go get some pleasure my own way in some shady, unethical, immoral, illegal way. That's what it's saying. 
God ain't filling me. I got to go get it some other way. So if you're a follower of Jesus, what does the world need to see? They need to see you hungering for the God who satisfies. That's what will mark you as distinct. We've got his spirit in us producing the fruit of the spirit. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness. That doesn't happen by us just deciding, oh, I'm going to be a better behaved Christian. No, it's his spirit producing that as we pursue his presence. There are days where I can find myself. I, I wake up, and, and, and I want to I wanna make a difference for God. I want to I wanna impact somebody for God, or I'm thinking about a meeting, or something I'm going to, you know, a conversation I'm going to have, and I'm praying, God, yeah, use this time, and let it be effective. And, um, but I'm relying too much on my to-do list or my plan for that meeting than I am on the power and presence of God. Too often I find myself praying for physical strength, maybe I didn't get a good night's sleep or something, then I am relying on the power and presence of God. And here's what I've noticed. I can feel great physically, but be in my head battling anxiety and not actually be present with somebody or, or, or being, uh, allowing God's presence to flow through me to love somebody. And then there's other days when I can feel like crap physically and just be like, oh, but I'm so relying on God that his power and peace just flow through me. And it's like, it ain't even me, but it's just he's flowing through me because I'm more reliant on him. And it's more effective. And it's more effective. It's his presence that marks us as distinct. It's not our gifts and our abilities and our plans and even our physical strength. It's his presence. Another thing I wrote in my journal was this. I don't want to be healed. This is what battling some health issues back about a year ago, to be healed without your presence. Health without your presence is not actually healthy. He wants us, he gives us his very life. His presence is, is healing. His presence is healing. I don't want church success without your presence. I've seen many leaders have that, and it did not end well. Anybody ever see that? Church looks like it's going good, 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 but the presence of God, they're not pursuing or relying or dependent on God's presence. And then at some point, things go bad. I don't want that. I don't want that. So we need to do like Moses did and pursue it. Go to the tent of meeting, so to speak. Go outside the camp. Get away to be with God. Separate from the noise of the world to be with him. For me, this is, this is not a formula, but for me, I, I, it means every morning I got to be with God. I got to spend time using his word to fuel me in prayer, need his word to know what to pray for, to be reminded of what his will is. Every morning, whether it's in my room or on the front porch or walking around the neighborhood, I need that time in the morning. I'm different. I'm different if I don't get it. And then also throughout the day, I've noticed that there's times when I need to step away because things are just starting to bottle up inside of me. And it may not be like this, this acute anxiety attack. It just is this is buzzing. And you ever have a buzzing in the back of your head? It's like, all right, I'm starting to get a little hurried here. I need to step away. All right, God, what's going on? I need, I need, to, I need to trust you with some of this stuff. I need to put this in your lap. I need to, I'm, I'm about to go home right now, and I know my house ain't going to be as um, orderly as I would want it to be right now. Things are going to be chaotic. Give me your presence to get into that house today. 
with love. You ever go home and you just, you set the bad tone, things aren't going well, so you just make it worse? Anybody ever guilty of that? I pray, Lord, help me to enter that house with your presence, being a steward of your presence inside of me. So here's a question, here's a question. What evidence is there in my life, in your life, that you meet with God regularly? Is there a distinction? Can people tell that there's a distinction? That, oh, that person meets with God because they're different. They're different when they do than when they're not. Or do you do your little Bible reading as like a religious checkoff? Oh, there you go. I read my Bible for today and moving on. Or do you feel desperate for it? God, I need you today. God, I need you to move in me, to fill me. I can't love these people. I, I, these people who are, are not lovable today that I'm going to see, can you help me to love them? You ever have a lovable per, uh, unlovable person you're going to see during a day? God wants to give you his power and his presence to love them. But you got to rely on it. you got to rely on it. All right, verse 17, almost done here. And the Lord said to Moses, I will do the very thing you have asked because I am pleased with you and I know you by name. I'm going to give you my presence. He's like, I don't know if this was what really kind of the tone, but it's almost like he's like, all right, Moses, chill. I already told you I'm going with you. I'm going to go with you. I'm pleased with you. I know you by name. You belong to me. I'm going. I'm going with you. And then verse 18, this is where we're going to end it. Moses said, now show me your glory. It kind of sounds greedy. He already said he's going to go with you. Now you want more? But that's just it. That's just it. God, God delights in us wanting more of him. I want more, God. I want to know you more. That word for glory is kabod or weight. He wants to know the weight of Yahweh, the God of the universe. I want to, he feels it on his soul, but he wants to feel it even more. He wants to feel the glory of God weighing on his soul more than everything else. He wants to feel it more than he already does. That is a man who is hungry for God, and it pleases God. It pleases God. That's one area where God says not to be content. Keep coming. Keep wanting more. Our hunger for God pleases him just like my daughter eats five meatballs that I made and says, give me more. That honors me. That pleases me. I like that. God loves when we say, all right, God, I want more of you. I want more. Martin Lloyd-Jones, who, uh, Lloyd who I quoted earlier, another quote by him, he said this, I know we pray for causes. We pray for the church. We pray for missionaries. We pray for our own efforts that we organize. Yes, but is that not what I am concerned about? We all ask for personal blessings, but how much do we know of this desire for God himself? That is what Moses asked for. Show me thy glory. Take me yet a step nearer. All those things are important to pray for, but oh God, I want to know you more. Some of us are fasting today. Another day while fasting, I don't remember when. I just see these things in my journal notes. I said this, I want food so bad right now while fasting. But I want to see your glory, feel your glory even more. Do I believe that your glory, your presence, can be better than food right now? Do I believe that? I want to believe it. Give me a glimpse. Right? Because it's one thing to say it. Like, oh, yeah, God, God's presence is better than food. But sometimes it's like, no, I really want food more than I want God. So I want to want you, God, more than food. Not a prayer. We should be praying, God, help me. I want to know you. And maybe if I don't know you, I want to want to. 
And Moses, uh, God, went on to see a greater glimpse of God's glory. God took him up on a cleft of a mountain ledge and showed it to him. And he didn't give him his full-on presence. He didn't give him his full-on glory because Moses would have been evaporated. It's like if we get too close to the sun, we'd be evaporated. That's what happens if, if sinful human beings with these mortal bodies get too close to the holiness and splendor of God. We'd be evaporated. But one day when Jesus returns, we're going to get these new bodies that can handle it. And we're going to be perfected in our, in our souls. And we can handle the full-on glory of God. There ain't going to be a need for the sun, it says in the book of Revelation, because God himself will be our sun on a new earth. We're going to get that. And we long for that. And in the meantime, we, 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 we pursue what we can get now. We, we, I want to know you, God, more. I want to I feel your presence more. I, don't, I want your presence to weigh on me more. I want to be more in awe of you. And I know it's going to be a struggle. I know I'm going to slip up. I know I'm going to get distracted by other things until the day you return. But show me more. Help me, God. Fill me. And listen, listen. Some of us, if we're honest and we ask ourselves, what are we hungry for right now? It could be something else, and that's where we got to start. We start by saying, God, I'm not that hungry for you. I'm going to confess right now tonight, I'm not that hungry for you. I'm hungry for other things. I desire other things. And maybe you're fooling yourself, and you think that you are. Well, ask somebody who lives with you. Ask somebody who lives with you. What does it look like I, I desire the most? What do I long for the most? What do, I, what, do I, what do I talk about as if it's the solution to our woes the most? If you look at my social media feed, what does it say about what I desire the most? Maybe ask somebody. What, what are they going to say? What do you get upset about the most? What do you get excited about the most? If it's not Jesus, that's okay. Just confess it. Be honest. Just going to start by confessing it. The Apostle Paul, I want to end where I began with the Apostle Paul in 2 Corinthians 3.18. He said, we all with unveiled face, beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from glory to glory, just by the Spirit of the Lord. It's Christ's Spirit in us as we behold God, as we pursue God, that changes us into being more like Jesus. That word glory, the glory, right? Remember, weight. As we behold the weight of God, we become weightier. In other words, as we behold the glory of God, his spirit is forming us into the image of Jesus, and we become weightier. We become heavier with the presence of God, heavier because of the one who is with us. And it should be felt in the world. They should see, wow, a person meets with God, hungers for God, being changed by God. Day by day. So what do you hunger for? And if it's not him, and you're wondering what can you do about it, it ain't no ten steps. You just say, God, I want this. Help me. I want to want this. He, is, he can turn. This is a prayer he wants to answer. God, I want to be hungry for you, and I'm not. Oh, he wants to answer that prayer. You don't have to wonder. It's not his will. Maybe it's not his will. Oh, it is. Let me end with this little story. I was coaching my youngest daughter in soccer this past fall. She's five. And if you've ever coached five-year-olds, it can be kind of frustrating. Daniel, you know what this is like. 
sometimes you're like, what the heck is this kid doing out here? You don't belong here. You don't even want to play. Why are you here? Why are your parents sending you? Like, there's this moment. So I don't say it to the kid, but I'm thinking it. Kids not running around. One kid in particular would just not run. Never. We just, he would actually try to hug the other kid. You can't hug them right now. Hug them after. We're playing soccer. He'd be in the goal, and he'd be turned around like this, and they're shooting. I'm like, what are you doing? Go, get, get out of here. He's five. And I had to remind myself, and he was just like me. I, I was just like that at that age. So I'm like, this Frustrating I must have been for my dad and the coaches. Something changed with this kid on the last game. Like, like I couldn't get him to run after the ball. Whole season, six games. And then on the seventh game, it's like something turned on where he was just going for the ball. He scored four goals that last game. Four goals, this little guy. And I would, you know, the, he would score. He'd get back to the line, and they're coming out down with the ball. And before we'd even, like, blow the whistle, he'd just charge to kick the ball. Like, whoa, slow down. you got to let them come out. It's their ball right now. Like, this kid just turned on. I don't know what happened from one week to the next. The whole season, he was just like, mm, mm, trying to hug everybody. Next, he's just tacking it. And it reminded me, it was like God spoke to me. It was like, that's what I can do in the heart of one of my children, one of my sons and daughters. They can be complacent one minute. They can be distracted one minute. They can walk into a church service. Be like, eh, 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 let me just get through this. Eh, eh. And then all of a sudden, it's like, I want Jesus. I want to know him more. I want to pursue him. I want to spend time with him. I want to wake up tomorrow morning. I'm going to set my clock earlier. I want to know him. He can do that for you. In fact, if you're here and he did that for you in the last year or so, would you put your hand up? Okay. He did that for some of you guys. If you're here and you're like, I want, I want that to happen to me now, put your hand up. Okay, okay. What are you laughing at? Are you comfortable praying in public? Yeah. Would you do it? That God would do the same thing in those people who raised their hands as he did in you this last year? Yeah, you will. Oh, come on. You, yeah, come on. You know what's funny? I was... I was praying about the, the, the end of the service. I didn't really know how to do it. And I, I pictured you in my head, thinking about what God's done in people's lives. But I, and I thought, oh, maybe I'll help somebody pray. And I was like, Rena usually sits like in the middle. I was like, can't get out. And then you chose to sit in the front row tonight. I was like, huh. So I just took that as a confirmation. So those of you who's like, yeah, I want God to turn that on for me. Will you put your hand up again? Those of you who just put your hand up. God did that for you this past year. So can you just pray he does that for them? Thank you, Brina. Lord, we just thank you so much for this beautiful. I'm seeing so many new faces here today. So we just thank you, Lord, for your presence. And I just thank you for being with me right now as I'm a little anxious to pray. So, um, Lord, I just pray that you can move in these people's hearts. And the ones who raise their hands, and those who maybe were anxious to raise their hands, even myself and those who didn't raise their hands, Lord, I just pray that you can prepare their hearts. I pray that you can begin to work in their hearts, whether it's today as they leave, whether it's tomorrow morning when they're a little anxious about going to work or the Sunday scaries, that they feel 
Um, but I know that in you, Lord, I just pray that for everyone in this room right now. I pray that they can feel your love. I pray that they can be healed in Jesus' name. And I pray, and I know that it's, it's, it's a miracle to be here right now where I was last year. And there's so many people who are willing to share their testimony for that. And I just, I just pray that everyone here can just feel your presence more leaving this church today. They can go home hungry for you and wanting to know you more. So I pray this all in your beautiful name, Jesus. Amen. Sorry. I didn't know it was the first time praying in public. Thank you, Brina. Let's, let's believe God is faithful to answer. All right? We're going to stand and we're going to sing one more song together and then we're going to receive communion together. It's a song called Fall Afresh. We sang it for the first time last week um, and I think it'd be a good one to end with. So you'll catch on to the words. And if you want this, if you want what these lyrics are about, sing it, sing it, and then we're going to receive communion together and dismiss. Okay?